Welcome to Big Ideas in Supply Chain, where we connect with supply chain experts and industry professionals to explore how all the stuff we need ends up in the right place at the right time. Hi, welcome to Big Ideas in Supply Chain. I'm Ann Robinson, the Chief Strategy Officer of Connexus, and I'm thrilled to be your host. We're continuing our series on digital transformation and supply chain by talking about building team for digital transformation and beyond. So we'll be discussing how to identify the right talent for your digital transformation. Does that talent shift when a transformation is complete? What emerging skill sets are required? How do we evolve the workforce? And what are the imminent gaps and how can we manage them? My guest today is Ronan Stevens, the Chief Supply Chain Officer at Ipsen. Ronan leads the strategy of Ipsen's global supply chain and external manufacturing, as well as the company's technical operations. He spent over 20 years leading supply chains in various industries, such as automotive, chemical, electronics, and pharma. Ronan, thank you so much for joining me today. And it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for your invitation. Glad to be here. Uh, it's great to see you. I know it's evening over there now as we start this. Um, in our first of our series, we really talked about the basics of digital transformation, when to do it, how to get started, what does transformation really mean. Uh, today, I really want to do a deeper dive around talent and its strong relationship to the digital transformation. Really, how to evolve the skill sets, the teams, so that they're working together in new ways, um, what the supply chain planner of the future really looks like, and how you can leverage your existing talent. I know previously you've said about 80% of your transportation was really about the people. So let's let's talk about the people. And maybe getting started, do you want to give a little context about Ibsen and sort of what you do and who you are and, and some of your biggest challenges? Sure, Anne. So yeah, uh, you introduced me well. My name is Ronan Stevens. I'm the chief supply chain officer for Ibsen. I also lead the external manufacturing and I lead the tech ops for uh, I lead the tech ops strategy overall for Ibsen. Um, the context, uh, six years ago when I joined Ibsen, we were a relatively simple company with a very high part of our business, which was in consumer healthcare, uh, as well as a growing specialty care business. Now, the specialty care business is particularly important because people it's basically products which are critical to people's lives, uh, either life-prolonging, life-saving, or life-improving products. Over the last number of years, the specialty care part of our business grew incredibly. In fact, we've been having a double digit, strong double digit growth over the last number of years. Uh, today, we're a three billion company. So some years back, we had to figure out how do we manage our supply chain with this, with this change? How do we actually anticipate what our supply chain is going to look like in a few years time, so today? And how do we set ourselves up for success? And we realized we had to go on a transformation. So that's the context. And obviously part of that transformation is digital, which is the reason we're talking today. But behind the digital transformation, there had to be real, real people transformation. And I think that's the, that's the edge that we're trying to get to in today's podcast. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really great point in perspective. So let's, let's talk about that start of the journey and really around when you decide to embark on a digital transformation are there elements of maturity that need to be around the organization before you make that first step? And can you talk a little bit about sort of what led you to the decision to actually embark on this transformation? Yeah, I think so. And again, you know, going back to a scenario where a business was relatively simple, 
you don't need to have a lot of sophistication to be successful in supply chain. If you have a few products and you have a limited number of markets and the demand is quite stable, the products are mature, you don't need to have a whole lot of maturity, either, either in terms of your digital supply chain or your people to be successful. It's when that changes and when that becomes disrupted, that's when mm -hmm. you need to actually have new things in place. And one of the learnings that I have gathered from previous roles is if you go straight to your digital transformation without having gone through your supply chain transformation first, it won't work. What you will have is you will have a digital transformation that attempts to emulate how you used to work in the past. So you're not going to get the benefit of that. So clearly what you need to do first is start off with a digital transformation. You know, and in there you have, you know, you have almost like a cultural transformation. What is the purpose that we are trying to achieve? So that's setting, you know, kind of really setting out what's our mission, what's our purpose, and then what are the people skills that you require in order to be able to meet that purpose. And of course, there you have both culturally, what what you need people to be to get, so business skills, uh, business acumen, drive, project skills, apex type supply chain skills, uh, etc. Uh, and you also need to have the skills in place that will actually allow you to achieve the transformation and to apply the digital tools in the right way and make the right judgments. So you need time to build that and get to that level of maturity. And actually, by the time you, before you even start your digital transformation, your supply chain should have progressed a lot just on the basis of the solid people foundation that was put in place. So you're advising don't do a lift and shift of bad habits or legacy bits and pieces that might have had permeated your supply chain, but really examine where you are and ensure you've got the, the right processes in place as you embark on that transformation. Um, we talked a little bit about data as well. Can you make some comment on data, data readiness for a transformation? I think it's a lot of people will focus a lot of time if they're doing the transformation correctly to make sure that the data they're moving from a, an old way of working or an old system uh, into a, a new way of working or a new system is clean and is, is appropriate, right? And that would be, you know, I think everybody does that, we do that, uh, it's normal. I think the other thing to think about is once you've actually gone live with your new digital process or your new digital system, I hesitate to call it a system, it's so much more, it's a process, mm -hmm. but new digital process, does that overall process continue to replicate the quality of data you need to feed itself? Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, are the surrounding, is the surrounding environment, the surrounding systems such as the existing ERP system, is it working well enough that will keep feeding the right information? You know, one example which I have seen is uh, when, for example, a subsidiary or an affiliate is not closing off purchase orders every time it receives goods. So your new system which has a very low tolerance for inaccurate data, actually believes resources are out there and exist and will be delivered to the, to the subsidiary and therefore will not recalculate and they will not calculate the requirements, new requirements to feed that subsidiary. And very quickly, you go from having a digital solution to having a digital trap almost because it's going to create the wrong answer. So you need to make sure that the surrounding systems and environment is continuing to create the right data. There is once you go digital, there's very, very little tolerance for, for, for poor quality data. Yeah, that, uh, that makes sense. I know that uh, even just understanding something as basic as is the data all in the right phase important, right? A, 
Sunday to Saturday versus a Monday to Sunday type of process can be off ever so slightly, but that can introduce a lot of errors into your process. But I think what you're really saying is you need to look at these digital transformation and not to forget the entire ecosystem as you're enabling new capabilities. Um, going back to a little bit around the team that you need, you know, one of my advisors in a prior role said, you know, as you look at a cross-functional team and bringing in key people from different parts of the business, make sure you avoid the potted plant, so to speak, people who may not necessarily have the clout or the depth of domain expertise or senior enough, quite frankly, to make some of those key decisions on future processes as you're looking at um, evolving to your new, your new digital system. What are your thoughts around sort of what that team needs to look like as you're going through your digital transformation? Yeah, I guess sometimes potted plants are people who've been sitting around for a while and kind of going in a corner and then they're handed on to somebody else. And you know, sometimes as well, I, I've seen potted plants actually bloom and flower if you give them the right That's environment. True. So That's true. So I think we probably need to be careful with them, but um, supply chain requires a huge amount of talent. And I think there are few jobs which require, truly require the same level of, you know, the same level of heterogeneous skills as supply chain. We need people who understand business, who understand finance, who understand manufacturing, who understand logistics, uh, who are data fluent as well. You know, the, 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 the skill sets of supply chain people are really quite extraordinary when you take a step back and look at it compared to other parts of the organization. So uh, if your potted plant happens to have all of those skill sets, I think it's fantastic, then maybe you have a gem. So as you embarked on your digital transformation journey, can you talk a little bit about how the skill sets evolved at Ipsen and some of the, the new talent or new skills that you looked as part of this new capability that was being developed? Yes, I can. So I think going back to what we said about the creating the initial maturity in the organization, the good news was in Ibsen, we had a little bit of time, even though we had very, very strong growth, we could see the growth coming. So that allowed us to do strategic planning of our organization as well. So we were able to think about in terms of who do we need next year in order to be able to continue to grow? What are our strategic projects? What do we need to be successful four or five years from now? And therefore, what are the programs that will drive? And therefore, what are the people we need? So we, we actually went out and we brought in very, very talented people at quite an early stage in the development of our supply chain who are very complementary with the experienced internal Ibsen people as well uh, in the organization. So it was a great cross-fertilization of knowledge. I think what was very powerful in Ibsen, and I'm quite proud of this is also, and I mentioned this already, is creating a sense of purpose and mission. You know, mm -hmm. we, 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 we set out at a very early point to, to, to achieve three things. And this has is, this is now become part of our culture. One is to create, become, over time, a supply chain that will never stock out given the mission critical nature of, of what we do. Uh, the second one, again, given the mission critical nature is to be a supply chain who will launch new products and new medicines, therapeutic solutions for patients into the market as soon as we have regulatory approval to do so, so that no patient should ever wait to have an access. And the third one then is to be cash efficient. We call it giving back cash so that the organization can continue to grow and we can repeat the same cycle. And this is in the DNA of the organization. So we needed people who could adopt that DNA and we actually got them in the early stages of the organization. That becomes a great force because it, it makes us, inside a complicated organization, it makes us right 
what we do, mm -hmm. but give like you know a righteousness, which helps bring the rest of the organization with us as well. So when we're having the conversations with our colleagues in, in the commercial part of the organization, sales, marketing, IT, they're coming on board very quickly because they know what we want to achieve and they, they help us a lot. So that uh, actually gives a great platform to work from as well. We had the right people having the right conversations, convincing their colleagues around them that we were trying to do the right things. They had the right mindsets because they had the right, you know, again, the, the new Apex, the new, the, the new supply chain skills, they had the, 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 the correct, the correct uh, vision of what good looks like before we even started our projects. And uh, it left us in a great place and we were kind of on, we were on, they were on the springboard ready to take off from that point in time. All we needed was the, was the solution, the, the external software and solution and uh, that to, 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 uh, to be able to complete our mission. Yeah, interesting. We had chatted about this before around this learning the domain or the, the textbook supply chain approaches and then having that domain knowledge sort of mirroring it to being book smart and street smart when it comes to supply chain management. Uh, do you see that as, as sort of your approach for evolving that future supply chain professional or planner Absolutely. At, uh, at Ipsen? Absolutely. I can't remember who said this, but a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, I've seen, I've seen conflicts between uh, people in commercial affiliates who are saying, we need to have three months of safety stock. And uh, supply chain people saying, no, you only need three weeks of safety stock. Uh, when you try and find out what's going on, you find that the real world experience and the, and the subsidiary or the affiliate or the commercial experiences, yes, you actually do need in the real world, maybe you need to have a much more than three weeks, maybe it's more like three months. But the supply chain person is using statistical analysis of data to come back and say, given the variation of the lead time, this is what I should have. But you know, has that statistical analysis taken into consideration variation on demand and variation on supply? Sometimes it's one or the other, but sometimes it's not both. And has it also taken into consideration, you know, other inherent factors that are out there, uh, which are future, you know, future risks? Has it taken into consideration the actual statistical uh, relevance or you know, the statistical correctness of the data that was used for the initial analysis? And that's often missed and forgotten too. So you need to have people who have this the right methodology when they approach a supply mm -hmm. chain problem, doing the right things, but they need to also be able to not, not be naive and be able to understand the bigger picture and just ask themselves obvious, the dumb obvious questions. Is this enough? Is it right? Does it feel right? Does it look right? And are not afraid to go and get some more expert help. I think we'll talk about future roles after a while, but one of the future roles I think we will definitely introduce into supply chain is a data analytics. And I don't expect every supply chain person to be a data analytics expert, but I think we all need to have somebody who is available to us who you can go and you can you can bounce off and what is the right way to set up my supply chain and they would be able to the right coaching to make sure that happens in the right way. Yeah, I think you're speaking to that balance of when supply chain, the balance of art and science. And you know, I, I'm a big believer in the you know, Gartner introduced this supply chain, uh, this data scientist concept a couple of years ago. And I've been professing that the future supply chain planner really needs to be a supply chain data, uh, citizen data scientist. So with enough understanding of the math of supply chain, but a good understanding of the business of the supply chain. So of the product that the products that they're responsible for 
and then add the influence skills and the collaboration skills and all of the soft skills that would go from interacting with finance, interacting with marketing, interacting with the end customer, with the distributor, all of those skills being pertinent to what we'd expect from the supply chain practitioner of the future. So let's talk a little bit of where you are in your transformation, what the organization looks like today. I know you've been uh, quite successful. We're one of the top three for the uh, Gartner supply chain chain innovators in uh, the health sciences area this year. So congratulations on that. Could you talk to us a little bit about where you are and kind of what does, what's the makeup of your organization today? Gosh, and yeah, so thanks. We're actually, we're, we're very proud of the Gartner chain innovator. Uh, being a finalist in this was, is quite an achievement and we feel it's a validation of some of the efforts we have. Um, I would say uh, we, we feel that we've reached a, level, a good level of maturity, a quite a strong level of maturity actually as a supply chain organization. You know, we, we benchmark ourselves uh, through uh, recognized benchmarks. We know that our service level in, in this industry is actually probably in the top end of top quartile. So we were pretty proud of this, but we also know why, right? I explained, you know, what, what it is we try and achieve. We just feel we cannot, we don't have a right to fail in what we do. And that's why it's such a high emphasis. Uh, and we know that in some areas of our business, our inventory is quite strong. We have good levels and we know in other areas we have challenges and we need to improve on those. And we're working that over time. Uh, so I think as a supply chain organization, our maturity is high. We're, we're top quartile, I think, overall. That's how I would put us. That's how I feel mm -hmm. we are. But our journey is far from done, you know, and I think in terms of our digital transformation, we still have a long way to go. So we created, as we said, we created a strong organization with strong fundamental processes and ownership and skill sets. We've put on top of it a good digital, solid digital solution. So rapid response from Connexus on top of that as well. And uh, we've created a connectivity between that and to uh, our subsidiaries, our, our ERP system, our manufacturing systems. So that's good. It's as good. It's, but I see this as a big foundation. It's not the end solution, right? So we have a lot to do on top of that. We were starting to use things like uh, robotic process automation to eliminate mm -hmm. uh, lower end or transactional work. I shouldn't say not value added because it is value added. We need to do it. But try and take the people away from doing that so we can put the people on better things to do. And we're having we're starting to have some early success by doing that too, which we're we're happy with and we find it encouraging. But we know we need to do a whole lot more now in order to uh, smoothen the interactions between our advanced planning systems, our ERP systems, our connectivity with our subsidiaries, our subsidiaries' connectivity with our distributors as well. Mm -hmm. you know, how do we make that happen? How do we make sure? Sometimes I compare our API, our, our advanced planning system to a Ferrari, but we're driving it sometimes on kind of a rough cobbled road. Right. Where we smooth that road, right? And buying the Ferrari was a big effort, and getting that in place was a big effort. Learning to drive it was a big effort as well. Now we mm -hmm. have to smooth out the roads if we really want us to do work, and that's a lot of work. And you know, it's, it's small, it's minute, it's country by country, it's territory by territory, it's a business unit by business unit. But we need to go and do that so we can we can get to a very very high level of uh, maturity over time. It will take some years, but it's it's the journey we're on, and we're aware of that. And, and then when we get beyond that, we need to be thinking about what does uh, like operations or manufacturing 4.0, supply chain 4.0 looks like. Mm -hmm. So we're also working towards that now. We're proactively having the, uh, they're doing the analysis and having the conversations to create a program to prepare us for that, you know, man of the, the operations 4.0 world. 
Um, with with that in mind, have you actually changed the roles in supply chain? Have you introduced any new roles? Do you have any new types of, of positions that people are coming in from? And, and where are you finding that talent? So at a very early stage in our organization, even before we rolled out our, our, our rapid response system, um, we'd already identified a need to create end-to-end -end supply chain coordination. So we created, so it took quite senior people in my organization, we made them end-to-end -end supply chain heads, and they report directly into me. And they're, they are heads for different product groups or therapeutic areas, so you know, mm -hmm. oncology, neurology, et cetera, in, in, in our organization. And they're very tied in with the commercial organization, and they're, they've got oversight of what's happening in manufacturing, and they kind of follow the supply chain all the way through. But they're, they're very senior people and they're working in very big therapeutic areas. I okay. think as we go forward, we're going to get to a different level of granularity, right? So we probably go to something like that. I sometimes call them leaders or stewards. They'll still be end to end, but okay. it will be very, continue to be very connected to the business, maybe have a lower, smaller product scope. So they're even more focused on what they do. And I think that's going to be key for success because what we want to do is reduce that cycle time, right? And make sure that they, we, we want to change from reacting to anticipating. And the best way to do that is be very, very connected with the markets, very connected with the commercial organization, and then be connected all the way back to, to the supply organization, through the manufacturing organization, so that there's a constant conversation happening between the supply and demand end, stewarded by somebody. And that's why I call it a steward sometimes. So that's one of the key roles I see as developing. And you know, that's also why I think uh, some of the, the skill sets that would be required to fill those roles that the second, you know, talking to the second part of your question will, will, will evolve because these roles may not be the data analytics experts we talked about. A mm -hmm. uh, person should have some under, say, you know, understanding and a good knowledge of that. But I think the business end of this role is going to be very important. You know, I always see people coming into these roles with, uh, with uh, young MBAs or uh, uh, really developing themselves in their career and not naive so with, a, with a quite a good level of experience but able to ask the right business questions you know to understand are we creating value when we're doing this does it make sense is there you know kind of this is the best way we should be doing it and setting it up how do you best you know, and also some you know project type skills like how do you know how do we set ourselves up for success in a project launch sorry not a project okay. launch a product launch for example and how do you make right. sure that we have all everything lined up for success on that uh, in our business, products are very often not the same. So if we are, you know, if we're, if we're launching a product in a new technology, sometimes the, the, the launch and the way we set that up would be very, very different to, to, to products we currently have. So we constantly need to reinvent ourselves and we need people who can lead the supply chain stewarding and steward us through that mm -hmm. and make sure we're setting ourselves up for success. So that's one example of one future role that I see happening. It's also, I believe, in the separation between the operational roles and the the roles which are actually preparing us as an organization to be successful. So, you know, who are the roles actually maintaining and creating the processes? So one of one of the the um, things that happen when you actually go down this road is you actually create a need to maintain your processes, which maybe did not exist before, and your systems you need to anticipate. So you need to have a strategic organization that is helping you do that. Uh, so we created a center of expertise. Mm -hmm. And uh, very small right now, and we're developing it. But um, that center of expertise will have people from you know my, my my supply chain organization, from the IT organization working together. But their mission is to keep anticipating what are the next changes, what what's what what have we done, and how do we maintain it? 
what do we need to improve on what we already have? So what's, you know, what parts might not be working so well we need to do? And then anticipate what's the next generation of changes look like and how do we do that? Right. And that organization is out, is not part of the or, operational organization. They're co uh, they're co situated. They work together. And as we develop our people, we will move people from operations into the COE, from the COE into operations. Everybody's getting the right skill sets, but you have this dedicated effort on one side to actually set up the future and create this, and on the other side to actually exploit it and run the operations very smoothly. One of your themes that I've heard you repeat a few times is this shift to anticipation versus reacting, right? To have this anticipatory mindset. How do you ensure that that's aligned across your entire organization, you know, beyond supply chain, but with the other parts of Ipsen? We're doing a lot of work right now as well in terms of, you know, forecasting and understanding how can forecasting be better. You know, forecasting is the ultimate anticipation, right? It's, it's right. Uh, where you're sitting down and you're saying, this is, this is going to be our future demand before we even know what it is. And we're having very, very rich conversations with our, with our commercial colleagues right now around that and how can we do a better job on this. Um, obviously, uh, one of the things we, the challenge we have right now, which we've seen this year, is uh, forecasting in a very uncertain environment. With some of the things that are happening. But being proactive isn't just about forecasting. It's also about what happens when the forecast is wrong and how do you proactively set that up as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, to creating our, our safety stocks and our stock policies to absorb a certain amount of that. But how do you also make your manufacturing more agile? One of the things that we've done as a supply chain is we started introducing late differentiation. And you know, not, not many not many companies in life science actually do this or do this as a step. So if I, you know, we're actually creating a, a manufacturing facility who is specialized in being able to late package or late differentiate products before it goes to the market, and that, which is a different facility to the one that did the original manufacturing. And again, this is to introduce a level of agility into manufacturing, decoupling the, the, the uh, differentiation of the product from all of the manufacturing steps that happened upstream in a very, very long, you know, in a very, very long process of manufacture product. The last part is what makes it market specific and that lead time can be quite short if you make it very focused. Mm -hmm. So that's again about how do you anticipate the, the, the it's, it's about anticipating the, the, uh, the uh, variation you're gonna have on your forecast and how do you make your supply chain more agile to respond to that. So that that's one of our key initiatives to 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 deal with uh, the different you know being being able to anticipate variation. Yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. You know, we certainly have, can't have a conversation about supply chain right now without talking about that ability to be agile and to have the resiliency to respond to changes or to different demand patterns. So it's um, it's very apropos. Speaking of which, we I'd be remiss to not speak about what's happening right now with COVID, especially with you being a pharmaceutical supply chain expert. Can you talk about how the pandemic has affected you and affected your operations and, and some of the things you've done to, to mitigate? Yes, and I think one of the things, you know, people who don't know us, I should probably just say, not, none of our products are actually out there to, to as a vaccine or as a, as, a, as a treatment for COVID. They're not there. Uh, uh, but at the same time, while people are, are getting sick with COVID and we know, when, you know some of the terrible numbers, we sometimes tend to forget that people also are continuing to have cancer or other serious illnesses, 
and the need for those pro our products to go to market or product, or any of the products to treat those illnesses to go to market does not go away just because the media is not paying attention to it or because uh, we're focused on something else. Uh, we went through a period, to be quite honest, which was really, you know, it was never seen before. We went through a period where we, first of all, saw our, our upstream supply chain uh, potentially impacted by disruption in Asia. Now, in Ibsen, we actually had very, very little dependency on, on an Asian supply chain. But we scrubbed and we checked and we, we understood any, any area where we had to take actions. And then we, we realized and we understood that this virus was actually coming home to Europe and to the US and to other areas where we are very, very present as well and where we do have manufacturing. And uh, we took actions to deal with that as well. So we, uh, we, uh, and while we were taking those actions and anticipating you know, our, our, our raw material stocks and so on, we actually saw borders closing. And then we saw uh, belly capacity and airlines uh, uh, being shut down missing and uh, we realized we had to start uh, finding alternative routes for product to market and while this was happening we also saw our demand spike and uh, do some crazy erratic things as a as a different stimuli in the marketplaces uh, unfortunately drove a very very strange and erratic demand in light of this erratic demand and the circumstances you found yourselves in can you comment on how rapid response helped you navigate these challenging times? Yeah, and I'm really grateful we did this part of our transformation before COVID hit because, you know, while we had great people and we were running some fairly good processes in the past, our system was based on a monthly cycle in the past. And actually, we combined the monthly cycle of a planning system with the monthly cycle of a delivery system to market sometimes the reaction in the market to a signal was two months later before they actually got product right. So that was that is a reaction time which is fine when you have a few very stable products. It is not a reaction time which is okay when you have an in very a lot of products, a lot of complexity, and a very unstable environment which we had with COVID. So uh, rapid response basically we put us in a situation. Uh, well, the rapid response combined with our processes where we basically had uh, the same day we had a spike in sales, there was a message somewhere landing on the supply end of our supply chain and the manufacturing site, which was saying, yes, you need to take an action. And that was fantastic because as we went through the rapid response, as we went through the COVID crisis, we actually had real-time information. And this was always our ambition out of rapid response, real-time information on demand supply and our inventories, wherever they were. And we had that, and it was fantastic because we had to make some difficult choices during this period of time. Uh, for example, we across uh, each of our manufacturing sites at different times, we saw people potentially beginning to become ill, and we had to make a call on keeping the manufacturing sites running or taking a break, taking a pause and seeing what happens. And in every case, with confidence, we were able to step back at the right time and say, we stop a plant for two weeks, we send everybody home, and anybody who's healthy to come back after two weeks and we have a clean workforce. Mm -hmm. And we were able to do this with confidence, knowing that we had the inventory in the pipes to meet the demand that was happening and, uh, and uh, never fail in, what we were in, in, our, in our ability to deliver people who critically need our medicines. So that was really, really good. It gave us so much confidence when we were heading into this. Uh, we didn't feel we were in the dark. We felt we had the information we needed to do our jobs. And we were doing this, by the way, while none of us were actually working face to face. I mean, we were all working from Amazing. home, so that was incredible. 
That's fantastic. As we get ready to wrap up this podcast, is there anything else you'd like to share with us when it comes to determining what talent is required for a successful digital transformation? Anything I didn't ask or that you'd like to add? Hmm. It's a good question. I think I, you know, I go back and it again. I, the first, the most outstanding attribute we need to have when people go into a this transformation, a digital transformation or any kind of a transformation is actually the sense of entrepreneurial ownership for what we're trying to achieve and the drive mm-hmm. to get there. This is, you know, and I think this goes across everything. This, they, all of our talent has this in common right now, where, wherever they are, whatever job they're doing. But this is the number one thing we need to have. I have people come into our organization who do not have a supply chain background, but they have this uh, entrepreneurial edge and drive, and they pick up the fundamentals of what it is we need to do in supply chain so, so quickly that they become very valuable to us. And one of the attributes that they also demonstrate is the ability to go and ask people. So given that supply chain is so complex, people need to stop thinking they can be the expert of every facet of it. I am so often myself, I've been doing supply chain for now 25 years, and I'm so often so humbled when I sit down and I talk to a specialist in an area, and I realize how much more I have to learn in this particular area as well. So I've come to a stage where kind of I just accept that and say, I cannot be an expert of everything. That's not my job. And, you know, everybody in supply chain needs to understand that. It's it's a very, very wide role with many, many different things. You need to be a, a somebody who understands and has a big appreciation of the overall supply chain. But then we need to have our ears open and be able to go to experts and say, listen, I'm thinking about this area. Can you advise me? Can you help me? Can you help me to, you know, finish my thoughts on this? And that's how you start actually creating a very, very good supply chain team by, by fostering those conversations and making sure that we're fostering the, the, the variety of skill sets. That's like the, and that's eventually what creates the best supply chain solutions. So for those students or people considering going back to school who happen to be listening, is now a good time to become a supply chain professional? I think it's a fantastic time to be a supply chain professional, to be honest. You know, in the past, to become a supply chain professional, it was necessary to do a lot of transactional work earlier in your career because systems and processes could not do that. And then you had to wait and graduate and work your way up to become a, to do, to work on less transactional, more tactical or even strategic issues. Now, uh, with the automation of supply chain, the, the people value add at the beginning is so much stronger and so much more valuable. And I think that the, as a new generation of supply chain people come into the organization, they will be able to contribute so much more and so much more faster than they have been able to do in the past in their careers. I think it's a great time to be in there. And supply chain, you know, we can see all around us uh, uh, the Amazon, uh, the Amazons of this world, uh, the Googles, uh, everything that's happening, how they're penetrating into every different industry, including, you know, healthcare and pharma- pharmaceuticals. Uh, this is going to be the norm and the supply chain skills are the ones that are actually going to make a big difference in the future. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Big Ideas in Supply Chain. I want to thank you again, Ronan, for your time today. Uh, If I had to summarize some of the thoughts as we come out of our conversation, um, it sounds like the supply chain professionals of the future really needs to have that mix of backgrounds coming from various parts of the organization with a good understanding of commercial dynamics, financial dynamics, and a bit of the supply chain science. I think we're shifting our supply chains to be a lot more 
forward-looking or, or proactive anticipating versus reactive. And it's key to have an objective or really focused objectives for the team. And I think none are better than the ones that Ibsen is touting around a supply chain that never stocks out, that patients have immediate access to new treatment on top of ensuring that you're being cash efficient. So it's, um, I think those are, 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 are my key takeaways from today. Uh, we were lucky to have Ronan and his colleague, Davey Ray, share more details about Ipsen supply chain transformation at Connections, our annual conference for customers in supply chain. We have a recording of that presentation also on our website. We'll make sure that we put a link to it for listeners in the description below. Uh, thank you again for your time. We'll be back with another uh, podcast on digital transformation. And be sure to come back and check that one out. And thanks again for tuning in. Thank you, Anne. It's been my pleasure.